Hello and welcome to another Conversations with Chess Leadership. I'm Dave Schulman, Chess President, and I'm here with Amy Morris. Uh, Dr. Morris, first of all, thanks so much for joining us uh, this morning. Thank you for um, having me. For my benefit, as well as the benefit of those watching, tell us a little bit about your background personally, what you do at home, and then what you do at Chess. Uh, so I'm on uh, faculty, I'm a pulmonary and critical care faculty at the University of Washington in Seattle, so far west. Uh, I am uh, I, a little bit of a jack of all trades in my clinical work. I work at uh, several different, two different hospitals, uh, ICUs, medical ICU, oncology ICU, pulmonary consults, a little bit of a clinic practice. Um, I focus my clinical uh, sort of academic work in point of care ultrasound. Uh, I'm the uh, director of inpatient point of care ultrasound at the University of Washington Medical Center, uh, where we are uh, building infrastructure for things like documentation, QI, uh, and um, uh, billing, hopefully, uh, as we develop our program. Uh, and so I, uh, I, I guess that's where I spend most of my most of my time. At home, back, back at the at the home institution. Back in the home, back in the I'll, home. I want to come at back the homestead, to- homestead, far west homestead. I want to come back mm. to, well actually, let's, this is a good time. So talk to me a little bit about the evolution of point of care ultrasound. Now, again, I'm, I'm of a certain age. I did my mm. fellowship in the in the late 90s. Like that mm. wasn't really a thing. Like mm. when we wanted to do an ultrasound of any sort, we called radiology or, or emergency medicine. Mm. Emergency medicine was dabbling a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, this is sort of a standard skill now these days. Right? Like all the, I mean, what's the, what's the, you you were sort of involved in that sort of evolution. I mean, what's it looked like from your standpoint, from the evolution of no training to actually now it's an expected skill and probably very helpful at the bedside? Well, I think it depends on where you train. So there are some institutions where uh, point of care ultrasound has been uh, finely tuned in terms of education and practice um, for decades. And our ultrasound faculty here at CHEST uh, are, represent a lot of those locations, right? And um, for most of us, though, I think where we trained and where we practice now, we're much earlier in the evolution towards this utopia of everyone knows how to scan and has a machine to scan, has access to that. Um, so I, a slightly different perspective uh, for me than for others, but uh, when I uh, started in the ultrasound space, it was out of interest and uh, because no one else was doing it. Yes. And I thought it was cool and useful. But back then, you know, we had little oscilloscopes basically, right? It was this little tiny square and a big old probe. And um, the, uh, Let me get the uh, you could barely the table see, you yes. This cart over. Yes, you could, I think that's a vein, <laughs> I think. Um, and of course now, I mean, the technology has evolved to now we have pocket machines, which are uh, easy to carry around on rounds. And the, uh, the bedside machines are, uh, are m much more, they're much better than anything we, we saw 15 years ago. Um, but yes, you're right. I think it is becoming standard practice, standard of care. It is standard of care for some applications of critical care medicine and um, trainees are expecting it in their training programs. And I think uh, hospitals are starting to expect it in your skill set. And at the same time, we're grappling with how to make sure that folks do it right. They're trained well and they're doing it right. Uh, and um, at my institution, we are, we are in the throes of trying to go from some people know how to do it often it's the trainees more than their faculty, yep. to everyone has a basic skill set, uh, the essential skill set, and then we have some advanced providers. Uh, and how do we manage that? That's, uh, that is a tremendous work in progress. Well, all technologies go through this evolution where the older faculty, again, I include myself in that subgroup, didn't train in it, 
-hmm. the younger faculty and fellows get very good at it iteratively and there's this weird dichotomy of the most senior people are the least competent to do Mm -hmm. this sort of evolving and potentially essential skill set i mean we saw it for a number of procedures you know ebis we see it Mm -hmm. it, but Mm -hmm. um, and and there's implications for that there are significant implications for that both in terms of patient safety right quality of care um, as well as the education dynamic Uh, and so i think all education um, ultrasound efforts need to focus not just on how do you train a few people to do it but actually how do you train the trainer um, and reach out for faculty development as well as your trainee education. Faculty development is a nice segue. So your current position at CHEST is you are chairperson of the education committee, but can you talk a little bit about your uh, your travel through the different leadership uh, positions that you've held at CHEST? It, well, so I, I have a, I think when most people get involved in chess, they come up through the networks. Uh, it is a great way to meet people. Um, if you're not involved in the networks already, um, go to the go to the annual meeting, go to a network meeting, meet people. Um, and they're organized by subject area, right? What do you find clinically interesting? Um, I had a slightly different path because uh, one of my mentors, Alex Niven, pulled me in to work on a, a project about 10 years ago now, um, at a time when CHESS was really trying to uh, build its um, uh, its educational approach for faculty at the annual meeting in particular, where we were trying to increase the interaction, move away from the sage on the stage, lecturing to the crowd approach of education and really try to get more interactive techniques, some smaller group education. Uh, and. Um, uh, that project was so successful, we don't have that project anymore because it is a standard part yeah. of the way people uh, teach at the chest annual meeting is we really focus on interactive techniques and we encourage our, fo- our faculty to be very interactive and innovative. Often we, we try to do different things every year at the annual meeting in terms of small group education, chalk talk style education as opposed to the PowerPoint. We're always trying new things. Um, so that was a sort of, sort of a special project within the education committee and that evolved over time into uh, different projects within the education committee and the subcommittee structure, which we could talk about, um, and until just taking over the chair position this year. So I, my, my space at CHEST has always been within the education. the education committee, yeah. So you've seen the evolution. I. Uh, it, the, the education committee, I think people think, well, CHESS is all about education. That's the most important committee at CHESS. And in many ways it is. Talk a little bit, if you could, about the current structure of the education committee, maybe a couple sentences on, on the different subcommittees. And then what, is, what does the committee do? I mean, is CHESS is all education. Isn't it just the only committee at CHESS? <laughs> no, well, I wouldn't say it's the most important committee. Um, I think uh, all the committees uh, are very important. Very political. Yes, For the chairperson yes, of the committee saying, yes. well, we're not the most. That's a very politically <laughs> good thing to say. Well, I think that, but it is. it, it can be hard to understand. The, the, the CHESS committee structure, if you're not involved in it, can be uh, opaque. Right, um, and so, and I think for the, even those of us who've been involved in chess for some time, sometimes have a little trouble figuring out how things are organized. Um, so, the education committee is uh, is really a, a collection of, of subcommittees. I, I would say there is a central uh, education committee with core education committee members, which is a, a fairly small group actually. Um, but the uh, what's interesting about it is is the subcommittee structure, the way the education committee does its work, which is. I suppose in a nutshell, to um, inform, oversee, and help develop educational content at CHEST. Um, but the subcommittee structure is what allows that to happen. So um, there are several. The live learning subcommittee is really focused on developing and bringing to learners the 
the amazing hands-on education activities that we have here at CHEST headquarters and also at the annual meeting, right? The simulation training, the procedural training um, that, uh, that I, I don't think anyone does as well as CHEST. And that's a large group of people um, who focuses on that. There is the outcomes subcommittee, which helps us as an organization under, and as well as the faculty of these courses understand what we're doing well and what we need to build on and how we can iteratively change these courses over time uh, to make them better. And, and same with the annual meeting. What are, what are we doing well? What do we need to try next? Or what directions do we need to move in to make this a, a better experience for our learners? Uh, there is the faculty development subcommittee, which is focused entirely on how do we make folks better teachers. Um, CHEST faculty, the annual meeting, uh, learning, learning courses here at headquarters, but also back home. You know, how do we um, develop uh, education within um, our, our faculty at CHEST, but really it's exporting to the, the entire pulmonary critical care and sleep community. Uh, and that's all with an eye towards building, you know, the next generation of providers as well as medical educators. And the innovations subcommittee, which is, um, as it sounds, about taking new ideas and uh, being creative and uh, developing those to make them ready for, for prime time, helping uh, folks who have educational ideas bring them to fruition. And just recently, we're excited about this, the patient education is going to be a, an official that's, that's part. That's new, right? That's that is a... new, that is new. So patient education, the, the Chess Foundation has done a lot of work uh, developing patient education materials uh, over, over the years, and they've done, put out some fantastic things, um, some of which folks may be using in their clinics right now. Um, but, the, uh, but it hasn't been a part of the education committee in the past, and we are trying to bring that in so that we are really putting all of education under one roof uh, as best we can. There are two related questions I get from membership people. Email me or tweet at me. One is, uh, how do, if, I, I like ultrasound, I, I do a lot of ultrasound at, at home. Uh, how do I get involved in, if I wanna teach ultrasound, if I wanna get to, into that sort of cadre of folks who gets to, to be on the other side of the aisle for it. How, um, how does one get involved in that if they if they want to try to again competition is always challenging right there are a lot of really great educators at chest how does somebody try to dab, dabble or, or get their foot in the door in, mm. in the space of, of or at the annual meeting or some of the other meetings that we have mm -hmm. so I, I would say that the um, there are a few ways to go about it. the key thing is getting to meet folks who are already in that space right I mean that's the beauty of the annual meeting is, and, and uh, chess courses is you get to meet people. We work with our colleagues. We get to expand our horizons and our networks. And the uh, so there are ultrasound courses uh, that happen at chess headquarters throughout the year, where uh, you will work. Uh, directly with the folks who are already teaching these courses. You can learn about how that works uh, and um, get to know these folks and, um, and talk with them about your own experience and what you're interested in. Um, at the annual meeting, too, we have simulation courses throughout the duration of the meeting uh, where you'll get to work with uh, these folks again, get to know them, uh, find out what the opportunities are. Uh, and I would say those are the best places to get started. Show up, speak up. Show up and speak yeah. up, yeah. And and I think we are 
Chesta is also working on uh, some uh, new education initiatives focused on a, a more bite-sized approach to education. Bite-sized crowdsource education is a project that we're working on and hoping to launch, uh, wherein folks can submit educational content that they have developed, um, starting with videos up to 10 minutes long, uh, and share with the world the things that they're working on. So uh, there, there is hands-on teaching, uh, and then there is also uh, didactics that are more universal that could be shared with the world through the digital space. And that, that's another way that we're hoping to uh, create opportunities for folks to get involved in education in Chester. One of the other innovative things that I've seen the Education Committee do, and I had the privilege of being part of a judging crew for it, is this uh, fish fishbowl, air, air tank. I, we, I feel like we change the name sometimes. Yes, I think there were some legal concerns. There may have been. Yeah. So what's the current name of it, and can you tell us a little bit about that initiative over the last couple of years? So yeah, so the uh, so this this uh, the air tank air contest tank. that you are uh, that you are um, referring to. This was um, so Hans Lee uh, and. Um, uh, Mark Labercombe and the Education Development uh, Subcommittee at CHESS, I believe this was their brainchild. And um, you can watch the video on the website, it's on the website, uh, on the CHESS website, uh, was to essentially foster the development of creative education ideas and uh, put some money behind it. So we had a, we had a contest uh, where folks developed educational ideas, they pitched those ideas to a crew of sharks Minnows. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure I that's a term we should use. They're definitely, were, I don't know what they are, we were, but they're definitely not sharks. We were octopi, hands in that's all better. sorts of educational pies. The octopus um, pod. The, the octopus pod. <laughs> Orca pod. Uh, so we, you and I were, were judges uh, on that, uh, along with, uh, with Hans, and um, we heard about some truly creative, fantastic educational ideas that we wanted to fund all of them, but we couldn't. Uh, and so the winning project, I, I don't know if I can talk about the winning project. Well, I mean, it was I available for was public consumption, so it was broadcast. You can at least sort of say, here's what won, and even though we haven't uh, seen the output of the project yet. Yes, well, that, that is true, that <clears> is true. So, uh, and, and it, it feeds into a little bit this, uh, this idea of crowdsourced education, right? Trying to allow folks to participate more in educational projects. And so, uh, so Bill, Bill Kelly, was was the was the winner of this year's air tank competition uh, with an idea to essentially foster uh, educational output by by folks who have great ideas but maybe don't quite know how to go about manifesting them. building a structure for them to kind of put their own content in so people could develop their own educational initiatives in an easier way it's a cool idea we look forward Very to it coming cool. to fruition yeah. um, I think that's sort of all of the questions we had Dr. Morris thanks so much for joining us thanks also yep. for a hard work. And you and I have had the pleasure of working together a number of times, Innovation Subcommittee way back in yep. the day. But yes. it's been incredible to watch the work you've done. Thank you so much, both in the ultrasound space and in the Education Committee leadership and looking forward to future great things. So I appreciate you. you joining us this morning. Thank you for having me.